Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to guests about their favorite albums. Today, we're talking with Jarrett Nathan of the band Pears. We talked about Hella's 2005 album, Hold Your Horses. We also talked about the definition of math rock and a recent favorite topic of mine, for anyone listening week to week, learning how not to overplay and serving the song. We also get into Jarrett's joining of Pears. Speaking of Pears, check out their most recent self-titled album which I personally think is their strongest album yet. I'm a big fan of the band and honestly all the humans in the band, so I can't wait to see what they come up with next in the future. Okay, don't forget to check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. My co-host Sarah and I, we listen to records we liked a lot when we were younger and revisit them as much older and jaded individuals. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month or more and you'll get an exclusive episode every week. Follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at SpinningOutPod. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave a comment, and reviews definitely help. Okay, let's chat with Jared. Hey Jared, how's it going? Hey Josh, I'm I'm doing well. How are you? It's nice to see you. It's been it's been a little bit. Yeah, it has been. I don't know. Always, I feel like anytime I try and think of that, I just kind of go silent, look into the distance, and try and. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine too. Uh, but yeah, so today we are talking about Hella's album "Hold Your Horse Is." Yes, it's their first album, and that came out in 2002. And so what I'll ask is, when was the first time you heard this album or this band? I heard this band and album, it was 2007, and I was a junior in high school, and I was on my brand new MacBook Pro that I had just gotten, my first ever computer. And I don't know how I found Hella, but I I remember it having to do with MySpace. I remember looking for music as one does when you're young and curious Mm -hmm. and somehow i found hella and it was just the craziest thing i've ever heard and it it it, and then it just caused an entire deep dive into all the side projects all the zach hill bands all the spencer bands and just it just changed the way that i thought about music and drumming so it was definitely a high school high school thing because at that point i was like I was just getting over my stubborn punk phase, my like 15, 16 year old fucking circle jerks and bad brains and descendants are like the only punk bands and like emo sucks, you posers. And, uh, I got over myself pretty quickly. Um, once I embraced, you know, I'm a, I'm a brand new and taking back Sunday fan mm-hmm. and being from Long Island. And yeah. I remember my friends being like, no, this is, this stuff is pretty good. I was like, no, fuck you. It's not punk. Uh, so I got over that and started branching out a little bit. And then, I don't know, it was in my era of of kind of looking for things out of that, trying to consciously break away from that stubborn punkness. Is yeah. It hit me in the sweet spot where I, where I found Hella. Yeah, I think when I tried to break out of the stubborn punk phase, uh, unfortunately I went to like, uh, I mean, it didn't feel unfortunate at the time, but like metalcore. So I feel like it was like one kind of rigid thing into another in hindsight, yes. you know? And so um, then that, then I kind of had to shed that and that kind of led me back to punk like years later. 
but I don't feel like I ever had like a, uh, I guess, I guess we'll keep calling this math rock. Um, yeah. Math rock, noise rock. Yeah. It's, it's of the same. Yeah. And same I'm thing. trying to like think of this era, but I guess like with you discovering it, you wouldn't have necessarily, you would probably know in hindsight, like other bands like this, but when you first heard Hella, was there like anything like that you had heard or had been listening to? The only thing that I could think at that age that I had heard was, I would say, <laughs> I would say like a combination of, and it, this might sound weird and it could be wrong, but this is how my brain uh, categorizes it as like a combination between like Frank Zappa and the fall of Troy, I guess, which is something I just made up. Because uh, I, I love the fall of Troy. Would you consider them metalcore? Like when you were talking about your metalcore thing, does that count as that? I think in a way I wouldn't have at the time, but I can't really tell you now why. I, I feel know. like they were a little too like, pr- not proggy is not really, I feel like they were, for my taste, they were a little too like, I probably would have said something like sassy at the time. Like I True. felt like they weren't like <laughs> heavy enough at the time. Like, yeah. You know, and so I, I don't, I feel like I had friends that were like, oh, I think you'll like this. And for whatever reason, I I didn't. So it's yeah. just kind of too late. That was, Fall of Troy was a big one. Uh, also, like, going out of, like, my, my just, like, stubborn punk stuff. So I feel like, you know, I had been exposed to just that kind of mathy thing. And I guess, I don't know, I would put, like, Minus the Bear in there, too, a little bit with just, yeah. just like, the the weirdness and the, the interesting nature of it. But I guess... I guess the the correct answer is no, that I hadn't, uh, n- not on this level. This was like something that, sure, like I, looking back now, I could, uh, maybe this sounds like this and I could like pinpoint certain things, but no, at that point, this it was like very fresh and wild to me. And yeah. it, it even still is now. Like I, I, like I haven't revisited this album in a while and I was listening the last couple of days and it just, it still feels fresh. It's still interesting to me it yeah hasn't, i'm trying to I think like what what might sound like it like i'm trying to think of things from i i feel like no age was even a little bit later or at least like when they kind of hit a point and so it's like i guess i just start thinking of two-piece bands which isn't really like the accurate way because hella really doesn't sound like technically anything else no and me. there are i feel like there are so many bands that w- would have loved to be hella but Hella is just, it's its own thing. No, Nobody, in my opinion, can, has come close to capturing that vibe. It's crazy. It's just yeah. fucking crazy. I, yeah, I don't, I, I think, like, I'm trying to think, like, this was the first time I had, like, sat down and listened to it. I feel like people had listened to Hella around me. I knew the name, but I never really, like, dug in. And first impressions, I will say. When Please. it started going to the, like, the first track, I was like, wait, is this what, I was like, I don't remember this being, you know, the way it kind of starts out with the kind of, it's like a synth kind of. The 8-bit kinda, thing. The 8-bit thing, yeah. And uh, I was like, what did Jarrett make me do? <laughs> and uh, then it then it went into, uh, really when it first started and it kicked in, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to fucking listen to this for like 10 more times because that's just my process. I, I uh-huh. don't. No one tells me I have to do it, but I'm like, I'm like, I really let it sink in, even though from all these episodes, I barely talk about the album, but I'm like, I try and listen to an album almost like five to 10 times. 
like before you know it's a lot of hella to take in yeah but you know i was like well it is a shorter record uh so it felt like i was just like i can i can do this and then but i i I, it's almost like (laughs) it's feels silly to say it's almost like the first time i ever heard like jazz that wasn't like easy jazz totally it's you kind of listen to it yeah it's it, you kind of listen to it in a way that you're almost like fighting with it and then eventually if you can kind of get over that hump you're kind of like finding things in it yes so that kind of became interesting like i would just like you know be driving to work or something and you know put it on at full blast and kind of start connecting with things and feelings with it but it's 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 also i think what i was also scared of was like how do i talk about a record that is instrumental because this is the first yeah. instrumental record i believe that has been that i've talked about on the on the podcast so that was interesting too yeah i don't know how to really talk about this record either other than saying it just fucking rocks and it has like created the it, everything i am as a drummer is rooted in this album had you already started drumming before you heard this? Record? Yeah, yeah. So at this point, I was like fully, I was fully in my in my bag, as they say. I was, uh, you know, I was, I evolved from just like playing Green Day covers in my basement. I was playing in like a a, a more real kind of band in high school, and I had already, because I early on is when I kind of fell into what my style kind of was just from like no effects lag wagon descendants like because i i took i took lessons for a long time until i was about 11 and then i quit and then once i started listening to punk music i kind of retaught myself and i i would go i, I learned all the rudiments from lessons and and the basics but when i picked drums back up around like 14 or so I would just sit in my basement and play over and over again along to all the punk records. And so I developed my speed and my precision and my strength already. And I, I was missing the, like the energy, I suppose, like the, the, the syncopated spastic nature, which would evolve into the kind of drummer I am today. And it felt like, felt like the missing piece because like I always say so like my foot speed and all that and then what I could do on the kick pedal came from smelly from no effects and just that kind of like classic punk beat the fills were all like Derek Plurt and Dave Ron from Lagwagon so like foot smelly my arms were Lagwagon and my brain is all Bill Stevenson just like the precision mm-hmm. and the, the the delicateness and the touch and but the energy is what i was really missing and that's what came from beginning to listen to hella and zach hill i'm like oh i don't have to even though like a lot of the hell stuff is in four four mm-hmm. but that don't mean shit like you can just do whatever the fuck you want and that kind of that really opened up my mind and so yeah i was i was in the height of my drumming stuff and this was just like the added layer that was missing yeah and what age did you then what age did you start drumming because you said you uh drummed i started drumming around seven so okay first grade ish 
So like I got the basics out of the way. Like I learned my rudiments. I learned how to hold the stick. I knew how to I knew how to do all that stuff from an early age. So that stuff never really went away. So I've been playing yeah. a long, long ass time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um also I guess with thinking about that, it's kinda basic kind of question. It's like do you did you have like another drummer in your family or what kinda led you to be so into it at a young age? Because I feel like I know a lot of drummers that were like Oh, well, you play this, so I'm that yeah. guy now <laughs> Well, you get to your teens. My dad is a mu- was a musician in my family. He didn't play drums, though. He played, you know, he played keyboard. He played uh, trumpet, trombone. He played a little guitar. He played sousaphone. He played sousaphone in his marching band, and they would compete. Uh, so he was, like, mostly a horn guy. My, my uncle Scott, who was my dad's best friend growing up, um he was a drummer and he played in all kinds of big band stuff. And so he had a drum set in his basement. So I would go when I was a kid and, and fuck around. Um, so yeah, there, there was a drummer in the family, but no, no, no kind of punk anything. And that would come later and I would develop that on my own. But yeah, no one was like, you know, the drum set was just sitting in the basement. It was dusty. It was old. It wasn't like, here, I th- you should you need to play drums. It was just like, oh, this is around. I'm going to start banging on it. I like how it feels. And it's funny. I was talking about this today. I think the reason that I wanted to start playing drums, besides Third Eye Blind, we can get to our whole uh, Lost yeah, yeah. podcast about yeah. the Third Eye Blind self-titled there. record. Is it up there? Yeah. It's a, yeah. Oh, because so it's back anyone, on Instagram, right? Yeah. Anyone listening, I, I've kind of done an episode with Jarrett. Um uh, so before this was an official podcast, I think I've talked about this whenever I bring like people back that had been on that. So if you're listening and you don't know what I'm talking about yet, cause I didn't really say anything. Um, before this was an Instagram live show in 2020 called spinning out on my band's uh, Instagram page. But those episodes are, those 10 episodes are still up there. So if you want to look it up and hear me, <laughs> talk to Jarrett about third eye blind you can hear a early version of what is now this podcast that was a really good conversation i really enjoyed talking about third eye blind and that is funny that record has become my go-to just like i need to play drums for an hour right now i'm just gonna go in my basement and play along to that album just straight through i can't remember if i was doing it back then when we talked but i'll consistently just play that record straight through it's a really underrated drum record oh it's so good um It's yeah, funny, so, uh, somebody uh, recently, because no one has said uh, that they want to talk about Third Eye Blind since you, and I was kind of, I thought it'd be like early on, because I mean, I've, this is over 100 episodes at this point now, uh, but no one else has picked it, and so, but in my head, I kept forgetting that yours was on the Instagram, so when a person recently picked it, and I have to interview them about it coming up, um I was like, wait, I'm not allowed to do that again. <laughs> but I was like, wait, that's not, yeah. So, so yeah. So that's a little so inside baseball for the person listening to this. Uh, but yeah. Um, but sorry, back to you on drums. So no one was pushing you. No, uh, no one was it. pushing and, me. Yes. Cause when you were saying your dad was a horn player in my head, I was like, oh, so he wanted like a little jazz band. <laughs> but no, <laughs> no, so no one no, was not doing that all. to you. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, so I think the reason that I decided I like, hey, parents, I want to play drums. I, I had a my dad gave me his old cassette player with a tape of I don't even know if it was the actual Tommy 
album by the who i think it was the cassette of the there was a broadway show about it and i just remember hearing those songs over and over again especially like the first two like the overture in 1921 it's a boy mrs walker it's a boy and i remember hearing that drumming and being like because i listened to it every night as i was falling asleep and it just got like those snare rolls just got stuck in my head i'm like i think i want to do that and i hadn't thought about that in a while i was talking to somebody about that today and it's just yeah it's it's the who i think is the reason yeah well i guess even thinking back about because kind of the reason someone i brought that up it's like this feels like a band hella feels like a band that drummers talk about oh my god yeah are you kidding me (laughs) it's like when listening to it and finally like you know i feel like i broke through and i was like enjoying parts of it you know and i was enjoying listening to it and but i was like this is a drummer band you know and like okay so do you feel like i I feel like i ask this every episode do you feel like this there's no way this album was recorded to a click correct i mean i i feel like it can't have been and (laughs) it's crazy because it's like it feels very improvisational but it's not like if you go and watch videos of their live stuff like their parts they're straight up drum parts that he's doing uh it's mind-blowing but no i don't it can't have been i mean it could have been he's that talented but i don't i don't know yeah yeah so so do you feel like this has come up in conversation a lot with other drummers like this band or how in your day-to-day life let's say even 10 years ago because uh, this might not be talked about as much because it's 2002 but does hella come up for you and other around other people not really only in the context of like if somebody's talking to me at a pair show and they're like what are your influences or the more like more of those kinds of questions i will i i still listen to this kind of stuff pretty frequently but i'll lean more towards more of Zach Hill's side projects than actually listening to Hella, um, which we could get into also all the yeah. all the the branches that spawn from Hella. Um, I tend to lean more towards the other stuff, but I guess no. I guess the answer is no. It doesn't really come up that much, but it's a fun thing to just have in your pocket. It's like, yeah. oh, you've never heard Hella. I have all these videos to show you. I have all these albums to show you. And like, and it's so, did you listen to any of the other albums at all? No, I actually, what was funny is, you know, I'd been listening to this over the month or so it took us to do the episode. Um, and when I was writing the notes, kind of just about like, you know, all the track listing and who's in the band. And I was like, wait, Zach Hill, that seems familiar. <laughs> and I, at that point I had not realized that he was, of death grips uh and i was like oh okay this all makes more sense like you know it's it's funny though when thinking about like when a band like death grips came on the scene if people thought because people do this all the time and they're like oh where'd they come from they came out of nowhere but it's like people kind of having like a life before kind of before and it's wild to see somebody like hella is such a cult band and Mm -hmm. it's pretty Cool. Like I'm, admittedly not a huge, uh, Death Grips fan, but it's so sick to see. Like Death Grips is incredibly popular, and yeah. I, I always think about those people who are like, "Oh, this is interesting. They have like this, this wild drummer. Let's go like 
deep dive this and then for those people to find hella like it's just it's just very sick that because of zach hill and who he is and everything that he's done people are always just discovering hella and all his other stuff it's very it's very special it feels like i don't know it's nice to share to feel like i'm sharing that stuff with new people do you think that i mean because i guess i mean i'm not like a big death grips guy either i feel like i've heard it um and but do you think that people that like death grips go back and listen to hella I think some of them. I would say fifteen percent, twenty percent, maybe. That makes more sense. I feel like I feel like a small percentage does, and I feel like an even smaller percentage likes it. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. those that do are in for a treat. Yeah, because um, I feel like it's like Death Grips is abrasive, but in a different way that Hella is abrasive. Death Grips can play Riot Fest and Coachella and stuff, and Hella. I mean, they could. But they yeah, don't. they could. Yeah, I I'm mean, still I feel like for that reunion. Ooh. Yeah, it, it, what's funny is like, I guess it's like technically, or at least like the internet says, it's like they're still technically a band, but it's like they haven't put out a record since 2011. So, and with their projects, like, why? Yeah, would they kind of go back to? it? I don't know. They've been post him and him and Zach Hill and Spencer have both been posting some videos on Instagram of them jamming. So I don't know what that means, hmm. but. I mean, so I've never could be summoning. It could be. It could be. Yes, exactly. I've I've never <laughs> seen them before. Um, you can't see it, but right on that, right this poster right here behind that plant, I wasn't at the show, but it was when Hella played at the church in must have been two thousand five or two thousand six. It was before before I was living here. But yeah. yeah, I've never I've never seen Hella. I've seen Zach Hill play in a lot of different iterations, but but never Hella. Um, because I was never really in the mood because I'm not ever super in the mood to listen to Hella, but there's so many, all their records are so different that you can find something, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, Chirpin' Hard and uh, Church Gone Wild is like a double sided LP and Spencer wrote all the songs for one. Zach wrote all the songs for the other and they put it together. They have a live album. Concentration Face is from their Japan tour and they have... You should check out uh, There's No 666 in Outer Space. It's the f- the only record they did with a full five-piece band and a singer. Mm-hmm. And they got, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Jonathan Hishke, or Hishk, who's playing bass, who plays um, in the band Cigar, uh, who's been, who they've, they're a 90s punk band, and they, they just released some new songs. Um, yeah, it's crazy. And they have yeah. like a lo-fi album. Like there's all kinds of different shit. But uh, I guess out of um, all of the albums they have, do you feel like this is the one yes. that you would go back to the most? It's definitely the one that I go, when I show people Hella, I'm like, this is the one, this is the classic one where you have to show people. Um, I like Total Bugs Bunny on Wild Bass. It's like a very lo-fi record. I also like, they have an acoustic album, which is just Zach Hill and Spencer just playing hella stuff but on an acoustic guitar i like that one a lot but no this is hold your horses is like nobody's ever heard this before and i get to be the one to show them hella for the first time this is this is the one yeah so when you heard them and when you said you were a junior in high school did it feel like it like sent you on a journey or did you just kind of hold on to this record for like what did that kind of do at that time this was really the first time where I can remember because listening to punk stuff, it's like 
okay, these guys are influenced by this band. So it's it's kind of a more, it's like I'm supposed to be mm-hmm. finding out this stuff. It felt natural in the world of punk to listen and like one thing and find the thing that they're influenced by. And you just go down the road, like the family tree thing. But this was because this genre of music was so unfamiliar to me. It was like the first time where I really felt like I was doing research where I was deep diving and like, cause you had to work to find some of this information because yeah. it was not as popular. And it was this like very cult kind of seeming thing. So when I was, figuring out all the types of bands that sounded like this i felt like i was putting in work you know yeah i feel like there was like a time frame where like if you told somebody that you liked a certain band i you would like plug your i I remember plugging my ipod up to somebody's and they're like i'll just put a bunch of stuff on there but it's like who knows if you you know or you'd like find like mediafire links and you're like oh for fans of hella and then you're like oh shit i guess i should check out you know, I don't know, Don Caballero, even though it's not really like exactly, but it's it might set you on a path to be like uh, bands with crazy drummers. And <laughs> then you have all the stuff, you know, there. So that's like what I remember. You just get like gigs of stuff, which sounds silly now since we can just pull things up. But it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but even I feel like trying to explain like the whole media fire time frame to people of a certain age, like feels worse than... I feel like I'd rather tell them about like, oh, I uh, I dug a hole and there was a, you know, Led Zeppelin tape there. Like they, I feel like they'll understand that more than. Yeah, it's probably you know, best to keep that era, the, all that stuff to ourselves. It's for yeah. it's for us. Yeah, it's like it ages you more than someone being like, oh, I I have, you know, I don't know why I'm picking on Led Zeppelin, but it's like, oh, I have I all don't care for them four to be clear. <laughs> well, I I sometimes I'm like I don't know if I don't care for them because like screech and weasel told me to hate them and ah. then so you know and then i'm like well that's not a good thing to hang my uh hat on at this point um you know but that that's where even things about thinking about like growing up a punk it's like it might have been a song that just told me not to like led zeppelin and then i just never really i get it you know and i'm not even gonna be like i'm a led zeppelin hater but it's like it never clicked for me, and I think it's I think it's Screech and Weasel's fault. That's the only thing I can think because yeah. they I believe it's them or the queers that have the song "I Hate Led Zeppelin." There you um, go. I mean, No Effects yeah. taught me to hate the Grateful Dead. You know. Yeah, and That's, I feel like I've only just I don't hate the Grateful Dead to be clear. I I like yeah. the Grateful Dead a lot now, but but no. it took me it took me a long time, and I think it was probably once again No Effects. But they also taught me No Effects taught me to love Cheap Trick though. So, um, so, you know, so there's little wins there. Yeah. It's uh, all balance. Yeah. Um, uh, but I guess like it is kind of difficult to talk about Hella in a sense that it's even like going back, it's like, what were they influenced by? Cause like you said, like it's, it's kind of easy in certain respects to be like, I mean, if we're saying no effects again, kind of go before them and then, oh, it kind of sounds like this you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, what, it's like, do you get any sense of like what led them to even start a band like Hella? I feel like when I was in high school, I would have had an answer for this because I researched everything I possibly could. I don't fucking remember. Uh, that's one thing I'm, I'm very poor at. I'm, I'm not like a music history kind of person. Mm-hmm. So like, like on a normal day, you ask me to like name five bands. I probably couldn't, 
Uh, so I don't, I don't know. That's the well, short when answer. I, when I was younger, I feel like I remember Buttle surfers, bands. maybe? <laughs> I feel like I remember other two-piece bands on a local level that were like two-piece and crazy. But now in hindsight, I'm like, they might have just been ripping off Hello. But I didn't know likely. that at the time. You know, because I remember this band in, uh, in Wilmington where I grew up. They were called the Kick-Ass. And uh, the guy would do a thing where he would kind of just play notes sliding down uh you know the guitar and but he'd be he'd like light a uh lighter as he did it down you know so kind of like just little tricks you know and i'd be like wow this is crazy you know but like that's that's as close as i can remember things like being like math rock when i was a kid yeah because i feel like the term math rock has become like such a different thing nowadays like yes it is very different that's why i would like if if you asked me like what genre is this i would just say noise rock because, like, sure, it is math rock. I don't know. Yeah, no, math it has a different connotation these days. Yeah, I feel like I've heard the term math rock used for things that I would be like, well, that's pretty 4-4 and basically emo. Yeah, I feel like Terra Mellos hits more in the math rock yeah. arena. Yeah, it, it gets complicated. Like, I was talking to someone about um, what do you, when you say post-rock, what do you think? Dude, of? I don't fucking yeah. know. Yeah, because it's like when I was a kid, it was like Tortoise. And then I bet it feels like basically after the show Friday Night Lights came out, it was it was like only, uh, you know, like Mogwai or, uh, you know, Godspeed You Black Emperor or something. Mm. And I, I don't know, just kind of like thinking about how these like terms evolve, you know. Yeah, I uh, do not know. I don't <laughs> – I am so – I have totally tuned out from the whole – genre evolution and stuff i just i don't have the brain space for it anymore <laughs> i don't know yeah. yeah yeah i so yeah so you were asking like where like what, what hella's influences are i don't know i feel like i feel like it's in terms of this what this whole world is that they represent like the the one the one at the top of the tree and i feel like Instead, like, I never really went back and I'm like, oh, what are these guys influenced by? I went down and out and figured out who they influenced. And that's where we get into, like, you know, all the side projects and yeah, yeah. and everything of, like, what came from this. Because Zach Hill is such a unique individual, musically, artistically, and he he's just played in so many kinds of bands and talking about how that influences me as a drummer too it's like going back to like the stubborn punk thing it's like oh i'm only going to play punk rock i'm only going to play fast and hard it's like well that's fun for a while but i learning that i could be diverse in my drumming came from you know hearing Zach Hill playing Goon Moon which is like uh, a band that he had with the guitar player from Marilyn Manson's band. And like, there's some pop stuff and there's some mm. like softer stuff. And he played on a record with Chino from Deftones called team sleep. And like, he has, he can play all that spastic stuff, but you put him behind a drum kit for like a pop song. And of course he's fucking good at it. So branching out that way was had way more of an effect on me than going backwards. He's in he's in a band with Joanna Newsom. He is in an improv band with Nick Reinhardt from Terramellos, which turned into Bygones. Uh, he played 
in a four-piece band with Cedric and Omar from Mars Volta called El Grupo Nuevo de Omar Rodriguez Lopez. And it's exactly what you think it would sound like. Have you ever heard yeah. that record? No, I haven't. But I feel it's like if I, invi- if I was able to explain what I thought it sounded like, I'd yeah. probably be right. Yes, yeah. 100%. Yeah. It is wild. Um, he plays with on all of Marnie Stern's records, who are, is like an incredible songwriter. Oh, wow. um, yeah. Like, you go down all of his all of his things after and during hella and it's just it's wild i got to so i've never seen hella before but i've seen him play uh the the coolest thing i ever saw with him was so before bygones existed it was just an improv project with the guitar player from Terramello's nick reinhardt and they played an improv set at death by audio in brooklyn and i went and i was standing as close as you could to the drum set the drums were right up at the front of the stage my head was maybe two three inches from his cymbals and i saw i recorded like the whole set i had a blackberry back then and (laughs) i videoed the whole thing and they they played for about two hours just nonstop. and a lot of the riffs they were doing turned into bygone songs and it was just it just blew my face off in every sense of the word it was like i feeling the wind from his arms from the cymbals being hit he uh i believe he broke his foot that show i haven't confirmed it but i remember him like clutching his foot in pain light up an american spirit right away and just like hobble outside and i'm like what the fuck did i just see this is god i need to dig up those videos um <laughs> Man, that shit's yeah. crazy. But yeah, he's I remember. A, he, I remember those times with because I had a BlackBerry as well. It would be like if your <laughs> BlackBerry started glitching, you just like take the battery out uh, and then kind of like let it reset. But yeah. for some reason, I remember having to take the battery out a lot. Yes, um, I did that. Just, <laughs> yeah, that's another thing where it just feels like we're uh, explaining like the Civil War to somebody that's yeah, like fifteen. I can't imagine someone being 15 and listening to this podcast, but maybe there are. That'd be nice. Yeah, we had a little um, ball on our phone that you could move <laughs> around and play Tetris. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I I was also looking up that Zach Hill made a film. It never got finished. Have you read about this? I don't think so. So he made a movie with an actress named Karen Black. She was, like, big. She was in a lot of Altman, Robert Altman movies in the 70s but she passed away before it came out so he re-edited it into like a music video i believe uh like a short essentially you would say um so i was like who is this guy (laughs) you know like uh making movies too like a guy from sacramento like just that kind of thing where it's like if he's not drumming he's still is just a creative person yeah and he's an incredible artist too he makes he this this wild abstract art he put out an album we don't even get to his like actual solo albums too he has an album called uh shit what's it called i think it's called masculine drugs but it came with uh if you like you know bought the art book with it it, came, it was a cd and came with the art book and it's just pages and pages of abstract art i have this is great content for audio but i'm showing josh a, a my arm it's just like you know real detailed all these lines and it's just a page of like 50 something pieces of art like this and to 
look at these things and they all are accompanied by you know a couple lines they tell some kind of abstract story i forget what it's about but to listen to music like this and to have a visual accompaniment is a really special thing especially when you're a certain age to Mm -hmm. to see how those things can exist together in such like like let's just be honest this is just cool as fuck it's like how does this person's brain work it's it's so artsy and fun and dark and yeah he's just he does it all he's cool he's great (laughs) (laughs) yeah i want to i want to also kind of think about like things that you know that spencer did but a little tangent real quick i was kind of thinking about this era i guess more so like 2007 on to like let's say like 2013 i feel like there was this time frame and I know they don't, Hella doesn't completely fit in it, but um, where I just kind of, this might be me looking back and kind of sounding old, where I just kind of felt like things were weirder. <laughs> like kind of like music used to be kind of weirder. And I I mean, I, I feel like I just listen to the same stuff all the time. So I don't know if I'm going to be the one looking for it, but I hope that for younger people that are like in their teens or their 20s, they have some they have some version of this because I remember like going to shows and it'd be, uh, you know, think about uh, thinking about Philly bands. It'd be like, you know, Algernon with 94 and like, you know, like joint chiefs, joint chiefs of math and stuff. Um, Just like, and then even like, you know, like slingshot Dakota being like a band. That's not like a, there were a lot of bands that weren't like conventional kind of three piece, you know, drum bass kind of things that seemed to happen more. And we would kind of collectively call them punk, you know? And I, I'm just, like, thinking of Hella, because I feel like it's somehow kind of related, if you think about, like, No Age and some of the California bands, that sometimes these bands kind of felt more like art experiments. And I don't I don't feel like that's the case anymore, but I'm hoping I'm just wrong, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm too detached from all that stuff to even begin to unpack this yeah i feel like i feel like one i feel like it definitely exists i just think we're old and not going to like house shows where this stuff like starts anymore yeah uh but yet i mean it is definitely a certain kind of experience like you look at like the east coast with like lightning bolt in rhode island Mm -hmm. and it's you know very much a similar style the spastic nature of it accompanied by wild performances and art and stuff um happening over here but it was it's definitely it's definitely of a time it it it, yeah i don't i don't know i don't know yeah Yeah, (laughs) i i think it might not be it's like a question we can't really answer because we're kind of looking back at something and that's Mm -hmm. that's what i it's like i want to be careful on that because it's like i i just hope that younger people have that if you do that's great i'm probably not going (laughs) you know like i'm of a certain age that yeah i'm probably not going to a house show uh you know but it's it's interesting i think it's these things that you kind of look for in your youth yeah so i think do you remember the band wacko from uh la they they were the band that like played in the denny's they like they they're like a similar type of band they're, and they're young. They're like, you know, I don't know how young, 18, 19, 20 or whatever. But I remember seeing that and just 
I was like, yeah, this is like this is hella shit. This is okay. like a bunch of young people playing rowdy, spastic ass music, just bringing their gear into a Denny's and fucking it up. And it's the coolest shit in the world. And they're good. Uh, the, the, uh, it's happening. The, the kids are yeah. okay, as 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 <laughs> yeah, we're supposed yeah. to say. But yeah, yeah, I don't. I'm a bit detached someone, from that. Someone was telling me that they're like, well, you can't because I've I've had a similar conversation with probably many people. It's of an of a certain age kind of thing you start doing, um, where people are like, well, you got to kind of look at a different style of music. Like it's like, it's pro some version of this is happening, but it might be more, you know, like someone that makes beats. You know, like there might be some kind of weirdo rave culture that's almost their version of we'll say quote unquote punk, but it's not gonna be the same thing. Exactly. Like, yeah, I like you that. Know. Yeah, and so I was like, all right. I mean, if that is happening, great. <laughs> yeah, probably so is. Yeah, yeah, because it's like it is kind of weird when you think about. Uh, even when I think about, um, I, all of us do it. Like, kind of playing in kind of bands that probably evoke like a people say '90s kind of thing. Like, it's just a 20 year cycle type thing, uh, or I guess 30 years if we're doing '90s. Uh, but I'm like. Is is everything going to be in cycles? Because it's like if something like Hella comes back, then it it just feels like that's not what Hella was about. <laughs> like it feels like something where where I was saying like I can't I can't envision something before them because like you were saying it kind of feels like this was sort of a first time thing and then kind of everything built out from there. Um, so kind of like whatever the version of that that will kind of like build out a new scene of just completely something we haven't thought of. Yeah. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but yeah, back on to, I guess like Spencer. So is he a person you've also followed? Yeah. That trajectory? Definitely less. So like I listen to a lot of the advantage. Um, I like them a lot, but beyond that, I, you know, f- for obvious reasons fell more in line with, with the drumming. I, I, yeah, I definitely listened to some Spencer stuff, but I yeah, I was drawn more towards Zach's side projects for sure. Mm. The advantage is awesome. Have you listened to that? No. It's I, really good. A lot of times with doing these, I will kind of I like to stay at the task on hand cuz it's like it will be never ending, you know, if you start kind of going into other and it's like also with the list of like Zach Hill stuff. It's like well like six solo albums you know or you know however many like it's it's a lot of stuff he's it's a lot to listen to the advantage is wild it's all like you know eight bit type covers with you know with drums and guitar of video game songs uh like contra and like all that type of stuff it's really fucking good it like you know it was the precursor for like anamanaguchi and all that video game type stuff it's really really good um yeah there's also yeah yeah it's interesting to kind of like think about how and this could have been just a concurrent thing but like thinking about bands like like horse the band or something mm-hmm. you know like it's like they were they were kind of considered like a metalcore band but it wasn't really are you gonna you tell know, me that, to watch that dvd that they have because do you know how many people have told me to watch that do you know what i'm talking about i think i've seen it i've never seen it because, the amount of yeah. people that have told me to watch it and i keep forgetting i'll i'll watch it i promise i kind of want to revisit 
them. Like I haven't in years. Like it's like I don't know where it'll kind of like fit in on my brain. Um, it's yeah, I don't know. It's it's not really anything like Halo, but it's like well, you know, it's what, in the orbit. You know what? I have that same feeling toward for where like I'm like I haven't listened to this band in a while. I wonder what it would be like to listen to now is Blood Brothers. I loved Blood Brothers when I was a kid, and every time I'm like I'm gonna listen to them. I'm like. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe this should just stay. I like. I don't know. As in a, a fully formed adult now, how if I what connection I would feel to Blood Brothers. It would probably be a positive I, yeah. one. I feel like sometimes when I'm listening and stuff like that, because I I wasn't super into Blood Brothers when I was a kid. I I feel like I had friends that liked it a lot, and I think once again that word the sassiness kind of like kept me away from it. Um, but when I listened to it recently, I was like, I think I actually would have liked this when I was younger. And that kind of felt like the kind of the energy I I felt through it It was like, I really wish somehow I could like inject this into my younger self because, you know, like I'm, I'm probably too old for this, but I'm seeing how my younger self would have really hundred (laughs) percent is how I feel sometimes. Like even with kind of like going with this and i'm like there is a point where i think i would have this would have changed my life like hello would have absolutely i tell everyone that too i'm like man if only you listened to this when you were younger but it's cool it's 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 a such a fun thing to be like you've never heard this get a load of this shit it's wild yeah so to think i guess like with your own personal journey with drumming you were saying like this kind of like like since you had the rudiments and i guess you are you saying like you felt like you were kind of like more stuck in the rudiments or kind of stuck in no like not I, how did this change your drumming it just then? made me be able to feel like i was capable of doing anything i wanted mm-hmm. where i would instead of just doing like a dugga 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 just kind of feel where you're supposed to do that that's where it fits it's like no i can because i can't play like zach kill i i there may be like i can count on one hand the drum beats from hella songs that I could actually sit down and play, but it's the, it's the, it's the state of mind of what hella is and the nature of the type of drumming where I can, for a couple seconds, instead of just doing a normal fill, I can do on a very small scale, the stuff that he does. And it just part of, what led me to that also was I get, I would get very bored very easily playing drums. But like, if you listen to some of the, the fills in pair songs, it's like, it's, it's just, it's more than just what is expected. It's, it's, it's the, it's filling in the spaces, I guess is the, is the way to put it because I'm not, that's not the focus of what I'm doing, but filling in the spaces with the nature of how he plays is really what, struck me and allowed me to turn into the kind of drummer that I wanted to be. Yeah. I think what's uh, interesting, I guess like thinking about your own drumming um, is that I feel like there's a lot of drummers who will do a lot, but there aren't a lot of drummers like yourself that do a lot yet succeed. At it. Hey, <laughs> you thanks. Know, like personally, personally, I feel like, cause it's like, you can do that and like, let's say like come back to the one like it feels like yep. you're successfully doing it and i'm kind of saying that in regards to like zach hill it's also like 
it feels purposeful. Like, and that's, that's what I feel like when I'm hearing you. I mean, I think it's fun to kind of hear a drummer that, you know, flails around and it's really, it's, it's, it can be really fun and chaotic. It's gotta be tasteful. It's yeah. But it's like, it feels like, you know, where you're going to land, you know? And, uh, even with Zach Hill, it's not, because I feel like sometimes when people, when people almost like make a caricature of this type of music, they'll improvise. And they'll just kind of blast beat, like a sloppy blast beat. Yes. And it's like, this is pretty precise. <laughs> you know, it's like, this isn't, like, this is wild, but this isn't, you know, it's almost like when people try and write, like, like make fun of, like, uh, metal and they write their own, like, metal songs. And it's like, you're not good at it. There is a skill to it that you're not doing, you know. Like, this isn't something that any sort of drummer could be able to accomplish hella yeah yeah i would encourage people the the most blaring example that i can think of in go to our pair's album green star the song cloverleaf the second verse is when i do this like little syncopated thing that's essentially me just being like i want to infuse this part with the essence of how zach hill combines the ride and the snare and the kick drum. So Cloverleaf, second verse, there's a good example. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I guess I'll, I'll keep saying nice things about you. Uh, like as a drummer, though, I mean, with with the way you play, how do you kind of like know when it's too much? Like personally, because I'm like, I feel like you're landing everything. So like what's your process with like writing a song? We don't have to get too deep in like songwriting one-on-one, but it's just curious because I've just gotten done with recording a record. So I think I'm like thinking of all these like little layers that I don't normally like think of. Like that, that took a long time to rein in. I had a big problem for a long time with doing way too much. Like listen to like my old band. Uh, if you go on Bandcamp, we're called pushups. It's a great band. Man, was I doing a lot. And I listen now, I'm like, this still fucking rocks. But yeah, it, it took me it took me a long time to figure out when too much was too much and it's it, such it's, a subjective thing yeah. with certain people and it's, too, because it's it's like if you if you just can't if you can't really nail it, then it's too much, you know. Yeah. You know, so that's the hard thing. It's like I don't necessarily know when there's too much. It's like you can kind of just tell. And it's an instinct thing. Like I am notoriously not great at talking about music or I've gotten a bit better, but like when I, when I'm, I've gotten better at songwriting in general and structurally and, and rhythmically and even sometimes melodically, but I, I've gotten better at communicating what I think where I think a song should go. And that's kind of just an instinct thing too. Like I, I don't know how to, describe it i don't know how to put it into words same thing with knowing if i'm doing too much well hmm. i haven't really thought about this like this Uh, this is is very interesting i don't know the answer is i don't know i just the the answer is i don't know how to explain it i just know when it's happening and i know what feels good yeah it's also probably a fucked up thing where it's like you'll always kind of look back and at that moment be like i think i was doing too much there and so, I mean, it's it's just the same with anything kind of music. You kind of look back, you know, but it's like, I mean, I feel like when I'm listening, like thinking of the last Pairs record, it's like, I feel like I could think of 
a way different way that drums would have gone, but it's just, you're going in like such a way, but it doesn't feel like it's like pulling against it. No. And and I think, and I think I fight back with, I fight back against, I, I think when we're talking about doing too much, it can kind of mean, uh, stuff that's out of place or stuff that doesn't fit with the song. And, and what I love to do, my favorite part of, writing writing songs and or helping write songs and writing drum parts is evolving as i go and like in subtle ways too so like the fill in the first verse of a song will be one thing and then the fill in the second verse of the song will be a similar theme but just evolved a little bit and i do that with kick patterns i do that with fills i do that like as the song progresses my way of doing too much is not just doing verse chorus verse chorus it's every if i'm moving forward i'm moving forward and it's like it's it's an upward climb to the end of the song where it's everything's just slightly changing a little bit and there's countless examples in in all the pair songs where it's it's really as a result of just me getting bored easily and like i want this to feel like an organic evolving entity as a song so maybe 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 that's it. It's less of doing too much, more of just knowing what my place in the song is and how I can treat drums as cl- uh, in a. I can treat drums as a melodic instrument. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think that's a good answer because it's like, yeah, it, doing too much then is it's just like kind of almost like sometimes where you place it, you know, um, like for instance, like if you, if you're kind of soloing while somebody like on guitar, while somebody's singing, it's like, maybe this isn't the right place for it, you know, to like let things breathe. But that's not to say like you shouldn't solo <laughs> and songs, you know? So it's like yeah. knowing when the right time. hundred percent. That's something that just like you learn over time. And I've, been able to play with such talented musicians in my career that they allow me to they've allowed me to figure that out as I'm going and it's really put me in a good place so I think a thing I've never actually had a conversation with you about is kind of like the you joining pairs but I I know you're from Long Island I guess uh, you would say on Long Island on yes that's the correct that's the correct way to Uh say it Um, but so you were in a band called the push-ups but kind of like that the the concise elevator pitch of going from Long Island to the push-ups into pairs, I, I don't really know about you. Uh, so I moved to the short version is that Long Island music scene is shit, was shit when I was growing up. Who fuck knows what it is now. Uh, I moved to Philly to go to college and really learned what a proper music scene was and played in all kinds of bands, uh, which eventually led me to push-ups with some of my best friends. A really, really fun weird hardcore band uh and i talk about doing too much like that really allowed me to be exactly who i was turning into it let me fuck around and do too much which eventually let learn i taught me how to rein stuff in but it was a really really fun band we put out a really fun record um and the bass player in that band my buddy christian was friends with all the community records people in new orleans specifically with Greg Rodrigue, who, who, who runs that with D-Ray. Um, and before Pairs was a band, uh, Zach, 
Brian and Alex, Alex, our, our first bass player, they were in a band called The Lollies, uh, and they came on tour with this band from Nashville called Stuck Lucky. And actually, Brian wasn't on that tour. He something happened. He got into a fight with Zach, and like he's like, "I'm not going on this fucking tour." Or something, something like that happened. So yeah. I didn't meet Brian then. But Pushups played with the Lollies, and you know they they the if you guys anyone listening hasn't listened to the Lollies yet, just go listen to their album Potential. It is unreal. And of course, I fell in love with the band. Fell in love with Zach because who doesn't? Uh, we just really hit it off and kept talking and it was the kind of thing where like, Oh, let's put out a split with pushups in the lollies. Let's, let's plan a tour. Let's do all this stuff. And it was like, it was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's, let's talk. And like, we kept talking and it eventually got to the point where the lollies broke up and I was like, shit, damn. Okay. Well, that's the end of that. One of my favorite bands that I found in a while is just done. And then just like a couple months later, they put out the first pairs record, put out Go to Prison and blew my fucking mind as it did with a lot of people. And of course, when they went out on their first tour, I was like, well, we have to play together. We got to do another push-ups pair show. And they're like, fuck yeah, of course. So we did. And it was wonderful. We they stayed at my house. We had a great time. And then a couple months later, Zach just texted me out of the blue. It was like, hey, uh, we're moving in another direction with our drummer. Do you want to move to New Orleans and join? And I did. And that was that. <laughs> and I moved in January of 2015, uh, practiced with them for a couple weeks, and then toured Europe. And, <laughs> and, then, and then the rest is history. That was... Oh my God, that was almost eight years ago. Jesus Christ. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess like uh, another thing uh, you probably uh, you should have insight to, I assume. Um, so I know Zach is a drummer. So since you don't live in New Orleans currently, like what is the process usually for writing with pairs? So the writing process is I will go down there. I go down there pretty frequently. I mean, I lived there for you know three years, so we were we were yeah. always doing that stuff but now since i moved back i mean i still go there all the time but it was the writing process was always heavily just brian and zach they're the two creative forces in the band um brian and him will write riffs write melodies all that stuff and brian has gotten so good at programming drums and he'll he'll like for all the demos he'll put like a rough skeleton together of the vibe and stuff and it you know it it evolves from there and i'll write my own parts to it but he gives me a really nice a place to start uh, because his his I've played with a lot of people and nobody's brain works quite like Brian Predis's, so it's essentially that. And then I'll come down and we'll 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 jam them out. We'll we'll always wind up wind up rewriting stuff and scrapping stuff. And so it's usually that. The, the, actually, the the last record, the self titled record, was the first time we included any songs where we just sat in a room and we're like, okay, we're writing a song all together. Let's go. Uh, Zero Wheels, uh, Funerals, and Rich to Rags. Those three songs, we went into the studio, into the practice space with nothing, and came out with those songs. It was it was, it was very exciting. We It's not something we normally do. Uh, it's a little more of like a specific kind of process. It's, it's very fun to do that. So... The last pairs record came out in 2020, and I know I, it's like I know what that process is of like collecting songs and things because I'm in a band that feels like we can't put out a record but every like four years it just happens. So like, what's what's next? Do you feel like for pairs? 
Uh, we're gonna write another record. Uh, it's just a matter of figuring it out. You know, we're all aging. Yeah. We're, we're all adults and figuring out uh, balance. We're we're we got a lot of stuff we still need to do. Uh, COVID did a number on us as they it did most bands, and luckily we got to tour it all. We we had. Uh, two successful tours earlier this year we had to cancel europe unfortunately and you know it's been it's been rough and we just were we just took a little bit of time to just chill and exist in our own lives for a bit brian just had a kid who just turned two um everyone's just kind of living their lives and i'm planning to go down to new orleans in the next month or two or three and start doing the next thing uh, we're gonna, uh, we'll have a record and we'll tour and we'll do the whole thing. But it's, it's been, it's been a rough couple of years with, with yeah. COVID and as, like, like I said, as it is for mostly every band, but we got a lot left to do and we're going to do it. Yeah. I think it's crazy to think about like, it was like that feeling in like 2020, uh, where it was like a lot of bands are coming out, like, let's say like 2021, if, if some bands were kind of playing out again and then 2022 this year. Um, it was, it was like so much that we were just so willing to do it again, but as a society haven't really dealt with like that trauma of like the two years, you know, it's like we sat in the trauma when we were there, but then when it was like, oh, time to go, a lot of people just went. And I wonder like what that's going to look like in a couple years, you know, hopefully I, I, some of this probably ties into like capitalism <laughs> yeah discussions that we don't have an answer for it's like it's like we can't stop the gears from grinding you know but it, i've thought about that a lot lately where it's like you know we're two years on so in a sense like you would think and some days i'm like oh i guess we just keep going it's like if you you know if someone in your life passes away or whatnot you kind of try and figure it out and go past it and whatnot you um, keep going but like at what cost it's like it feels yeah. it feels like the entire infrastructure for the touring industry just diminished and yeah everything's more expensive people aren't as quite as like gung-ho for going to shows anymore people still go and of of course they are there's always going to be music but it's it just feels like the vibe has shifted and it's it's just weird out there like we we did we did two tours in the U.S. and it was good. I would say it was a successful tour. Um, it was just fucking weird, and I like I've been thinking about it a lot, and like it's, I haven't quite been able to put my finger on more than just saying like, in the abstract, the infrastructure yeah. is different. Uh, yeah, it just feels like. Plus, you know, all 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 the things, everything with Spotify and everything with artists not being paid uh, enough and all the arguments about, you know, you know, everything pops up with like merch cuts again. That's been like a hot button issue on Twitter with the merch cuts and stuff. And it's like, it's just, there's so much, there's so many antagonistic views currently surrounding the touring industry and whether it's one thing or another thing, it's just, it's, it's it's that's the only constant is the negativity surrounding how do we get artists more support and 
it's just been building and building and I don't know. It's it feels weird out there, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough because I think like so many of the conversations are just like not really looking at the kind of like the actual thing that needs to be done. And I don't I don't have any answers. I'm just a guy podcasting, but it's like really all of these questions kind of start going toward like, you know, regulation and like breaking up monopolies and like UBI and things and like grants for bands. And it's, you know, all those things that kind of other countries have, Yeah, but it's like, we can't, we can't keep, it's almost like with the music industry, um, it's like, it just kind of taped everything back up and it's like, it's like if you break if you break your parents' porch and you just kind of tack it back in. Yes. And they're like, it's touring again. <laughs> but yeah. I will say, you know, I, and I keep kind of cutting you off, but I will say hearing that your touring, I know it doesn't make you feel better, but if you, hearing that your touring experience was weird is actually kind of comforting to someone like me because I, it's like my wife's band went on tour this year. And it was like for that band, it was like the longest tour they went on at that point. And they were like, it's weird. So to kind of hear you say it's weird. Well, I think the you know, consensus it's like, is yeah. it's weird amongst it's weird. all of us. <laughs> yeah. So it feels comforting in a way. It's like, oh, it's not just weird for me. You know? Yeah. No, it's weird for everyone. And <laughs> and I think I think what it simply comes down to is this country just doesn't value the arts as mm-hmm. it should. And it's it's always been like that. It feels like it's always going to be like that. It's any chance that a corporation such as Spotify has a chance to take advantage of the artists that make them money, they're just going to use every chance to exploit that. And it's, it's a, it's a fucked up giant ass issue that to me comes down to the way this country is built we don't value the arts and it's sad. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like even sometimes where I feel like it's like hard for us to kind of like, we're not taught to value the arts and like, we're not even in a sense, like when shows started coming back, it was like, Oh, they're now like, I felt like they were $10 or whatever at the time. And now they're 15 and it's like, okay, I can support. But it's like when I, go out to a show now and I pay, you know, $15 and then I buy a shirt for 20 or something. It's like, there's only so much I can do the collective. I, the collective we, and I feel like things like Spotify and our own government are kind of looking down at the consumer and they're like, no, it's your, you have to fix this. And it's like, I think that's also a reason people are kind of like not as gung ho. It's like, there's not, I can't, I can go to a show, but I can't really fix this. Yeah, I can I can vote. Yeah. I can vote for things that I want to change and vote for good candidates, but, you know. Yeah, it feels disillusioned because it's like I can't – there's no length of time I can stand in line to vote that would change anything about Spotify. Yeah. Technically. <laughs> you know, it's like in this moment, you know, better candidates, but it's like, you know, it kind of – it's – then you people just start feeling so, like, helpless – because there's not, yeah, no, and know, I don't that, want to make it a downer at the end, but no, it's you know, true. It's, and we, it's important to talk about like that collective eye thing. It's, it's like, w- w- it shouldn't be up to us. If you have money and power, simply use it for good. Like it should not come because people don't listen 
to us anyway. Things it's hard to get things changed, even if there are a lot of us. And it's 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 yeah that that collective eye thing. It's like yeah I support I buy music I go to shows I buy merch I tip the merch person I you know <laughs> yeah there's like there's only so much I can do like yeah. as a thing it's like I can't fix all of this but you know like but to bring it hopefully to a more positive thing <laughs> I think like like I said it feels comforting that it was like it's not just like my you know other friends experience like to kind of see people going through it like at least it feels like there's hopefully some path forward like you know with like I hope so Paris music and all these things and it's like but what I hope too it's like I'm getting to an age where I think it's I used to feel bad like taking this long between albums and stuff and it's like there is like a balance like you were saying like it's like if it takes you a little longer it's like we're aging but also it's like we as a society need to like take care of ourselves because it's like it's not always in the card for every band to put out an album like every two years or what whatever the metric the 18 is. month album like, cycle yeah and it's like you gotta you do have to recharge especially in a system where a system isn't putting back in for you and you've given it's like y'all yeah. gave like everything to put out the album in 2020 you know it's <laughs> dejecting to, to not to put that energy a, in yeah and to and not kind of get it back and it wasn't possible yeah and we we toured on it. The tour we did earlier this year, early 22 for a record that came out in 2020. It's like, how are you going to be this music gets old quickly for artists. It's like mm -hmm. we play the new record and we're excited about it. And then it's like, Oh, this is a year later. And this, we play it every night for how many months on tour and it gets repetitive. It gets it. That's why you make new music and stuff. So it's like to, for when th that's already a frequent thing, in this industry to have to wait an additional two years to be able to play these songs and to be on stage and act like we're excited about it. It's like, motherfuckers, we've been listening and practicing these songs for two years. It's hard to be up on stage and be like, yo, we're so stoked about this record. Cause like we are, we're proud of it and we love it, but like yeah. we're not stoked anymore. Not the same kind of stoked that we would be touring it for the first time when it's supposed to come out so it's it's it, psychologically it's it was a really really difficult thing to like try and trick yourself into being excited about something that's just like been pulled from you it's it's very strange yeah um well i can't wait for new pairs music me too I appreciate <laughs> i appreciate you taking the time to talk to me again like I said at the top, like if somebody just wants to, if they want to do the digging, like we were talking about, like when you discovered Hella, if you just have to, you know, because I th we had a great conversation, what two years ago, um, well three almost, um, you know, go find that on the late bloomer Instagram page if you if you must. <laughs> yes, it's a um, great it conversation. A we love Third Eye Blind here. Welcome back. Thanks again to Jarrett for coming on the pod. It's always great catching up and really great hanging out with Jarrett. So hopefully get to see each other in person at some point really soon. Anywho, once again, check out the newest Pairs album if you missed it. Okay, next time we're talking with my good friend Phil Pucci of Invader Houses about Third Eye Blind. More on that next week. 
Check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month or more, and you'll get an exclusive episode every week. Don't forget to follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at spinningoutpod. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave a comment. Reviews always help. Thanks, as always, to Sarah for editing the pod and Pretty Maddie for the theme. Okay, see you next week.